Welcome to RevMD, a podcast created for healthcare professionals by healthcare professionals. We will share tips on medical billing and coding, as well as workflow optimization to help practices succeed, thrive, and grow revenue. All right. Welcome, everybody. I'm excited to move into the more detailed information regarding medical billing. So this week, we're going to talk about evaluation and management coding. This is super important for physicians and providers to understand since it's the bread and butter of office visits. The number one thing we hear from clients is that they're afraid to overcode or they're afraid to get audited. And so we actually often see them undercode. Understanding the nuances around the top office visit codes is critical so you bill exactly what you should. This isn't subjective. And if you're billing according to the guidelines, then you can get the, res- the the reimbursement that you deserve. So for those of you just listening to the podcast, I suggest going to the website and download the video to watch alongside the PowerPoint for this one. That can uh, be found at nationalrevenueconsulting.com backslash podcast. And you'll see in the top area, you can go and download where the videos are for watching this alongside the PowerPoint. Um, I will go through multiple charts and examples and tables, and it's just a little easier to follow through this one on the PowerPoint. As always, if you're enjoying the series, please share with a friend and consider coming to work with us. We have a medical billing company and help practices get the revenue they deserve because we have a very reliable and data-driven approach. All right, let's go to the first slide. E&M codes are simply evaluation and management codes, right? We all know that. They range from 99202 to 99499. We're only going to go through a handful of those today, but large range of codes. I'll probably spend some additional episodes on a number of different topics within the E&M code category, so prolonged codes, et cetera. But for today, we're just going to focus on those outpatient or office codes. These are for services provided by a physician or other provider and are typically representing when the health of the patient, of course, is evaluated and managed, right? Makes sense. This includes office visits, home services, preventative medicine, among a number of different other things. This does not include surgeries, radiology, or lab tests. That's in a different CPT code category. Next slide. This shows some of the categorizations for the EM categories. You can see the categories are broken down into over 10 different categories. I'm only showing you a handful on this slide. And you can see on the screen that the 99202 through 99215 are, again, those office outpatient services. I'm also showing some codes for hospital observation services, inpatient services, consultations on the screen as well, but we're not going to focus on those today, just those in orange. If we go to the next slide, it's important to recognize that there were major changes made in 2021. Prior to 2021, for those of us that practiced then, the physical exam and history was largely what helped classify between different levels of exam or different CPT codes, and that has changed dramatically now. So now the main determining factor is actually one of two options, which you can see at the bottom. Option one, which is the medical decision-making, or option two, which is the total time on the day of the encounter. 
Now, of course, you're still going to need to do a medically appropriate physical exam and history with all the documentation we're used to, but it's just not what is determining the level of the CPT to use. You will also note that there are different codes for a new patient versus an established patient, which we'll go over in detail in the next few slides. There are additional codes, which we'll talk about in a later podcast for prolonged visits. Prolonged service codes are for when a physician provides direct patient contact that is provided beyond the usual service, either in an inpatient or outpatient setting. Now, there is a different set of codes that is used for prolonged services without direct patient contact, like through a phone call. Again, we'll dive into the details of this in a few weeks uh, because I do think this is an, impro- an, a, an important and appropriate setting can increase revenue. All right, let's go to the next slide. We're going to dive a little bit more into two options that make up determining what level CPT code you bill for a patient visit. So medical decision-making has to do with looking at the patient visit and evaluating three different areas. The first is the problems, right? The number or complexity problems addressed. The second is the amount or complexity of the data that you as the physician or provider review. And the last is the risk of the complications and or morbidity or mortality of patient management. So again, remember prior to 2021, the history and examination were key elements of code selection, and that is no longer the case. Though the history and examination of the patient should still be done and documented as medically appropriate, it's just not what is guiding if we choose a level three, level four, or level five exam. Now, the alternate is time, total time that you spend with the patient or on the patient, which can be used to code for the level of office or outpatient services. Now, time is typically only used when counseling or coordination of care dominates the service. The amount of time or total time of the encounter on the date of the patient visit is what determines the appropriate evaluation and management CPT codes. This can actually include both face-to-face and non-face-to-face time that is personally spent by the physician, which can include many different items like are you preparing to see the, the patient and reviewing tests and history? Are you obtaining or reviewing other past history? Are you then spending time with the patient, performing medically appropriate history and examination, counseling the patient? Are you then ordering medications or tests or procedures? Anytime that you spend referring or communicate with another healthcare professional about that patient, and anytime that you actually spend documenting clinical information in the EMR. And yes, you heard me correct. The time spent charting does count towards the total time of the patient if it's done on the same date of service. So that's right, spending time, you know, midnight, 2 a.m. after the patient visit doing your charting isn't gonna count towards total time of the visit. So just another reason why we shouldn't be charting at midnight. Of course, it excludes any travel time, time spent with any procedure that you're separately billing for, since you are able to bill for that incorporated into that procedure CPT. Again, can't bill for the total time you spend on a procedure if you're billing for that procedure as well. All right, let's go to the next slide. Let's go a little bit more in detail around that total time with regards to how it can be incorporated into choosing a level of CPT code. So total time, again, is measured as the time the physician or healthcare professional is spent 
with that patient or on that patient on the day of the encounter. Like I mentioned, time spent before or during or after the visit and is important that it's all happening on the date of service. Now, total time will not include time spent by your nurse or other clinical staff caring for the patient. And it will also not include time you spend performing a procedure. Any additional procedure performed during the same encounter with a specific procedure code should be reported separately. Now, on the right-hand side of this slide, you see the level of the visit and the time and CPT codes correlated with either an established patient visit or a new patient visit. I'll give one tip that if you are frequently using total time to bump up, say, a level three to a level four exam, it's really critical that you show a document the time that you spend with the patient, and even better if you can outline the time you spent before, during, or after the visit to really back up and verify that the total time spent is justified in the level of exam that you're billing. All right, let's go to the next slide. Now we're gonna dive into the other option in order to billing a level of exam for a patient. So now we're gonna talk about the medical decision-making or the MDM. This dives deeper into the MDM elements. There are four levels of MDM, which are maintained actually from prior years and include straightforward, which you can see in the top right-hand corner, which include your level two exams, either 99202 for a new patient or 99210, excuse me, 99212 for an established patient. Then you have the MDM category of low, which is your level three exam, and I show both the new and established patient codes. Then moderate, which is your level four exam, and high, which is your level five exam. To support a given code level, there are going to be multiple MDM elements, which we'll go through in a minute. And two out of the three elements of each MDM must be met. The three elements, which we talked about on the last slide, high level are problems, data reviewed, and risk to the patient. And we'll go into the details again, just to solidify. So again, problems is the number and complexity of problems that you're addressing with the patient. It's important to know that a problem addressed or managed when it is evaluated or treated at the encounter by the physician or APP reporting service. We'll remind everybody that a referral without evaluation or consideration of treatment does not qualify as being addressed. Meaning if you're just reviewing a history of a patient's issue, but you're not actually evaluating it and managing it during the patient visit does not count. The second area or element within the MDM, again, is that data that you're reviewing. This can be the amount or the complexity of the data that is needed to be reviewed and analyzed. And so this can include things like tests or prior documents from another physician, any orders on the patient or independent histories, and each unique test or order or document actually counts as an individual data point that you're reviewing. And you'll get in a minute while the number of data elements is important. Any discussion or management of test interpretation with an external physician or external provider also counts. Now, the last element of the MDM is again the risk of complications and or morbidity or mortality of patient management. 
So this includes all possible management options. So to review, again, high level, the MDM elements include patient problems, data reviewed, and risk to the patient. And those are going to be the elements that guide whether you have a level two, three, four, or five CPT code. So the next slide is actually just a complete picture of the table that outlines the coding levels from the AMA. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on this chart in detail, so don't worry about the small print. I'm happy to email this to anybody that needs it. You can email info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com, and I'm happy to shoot this over to you. The next slide, I try and blow up the picture so that you can see the first three elements of this coding tool. Again, this comes straight from the AMA. And for this slide, we're going to focus on the level two and level three visit criteria. You'll also note in tiny print that the 99211, so again, established patients, is on there, but the 99201, the level one for new patients, has been removed. That's no longer available since 2021. And I'll show more on the 99211 here in a minute. You will notice that the table shows the CPT code level of the MDM and then breaks down each of the elements of the MDM, which again are patient problems, data reviewed, and of course, the risk to the patient. So the level two office visit is either the 99202 for new patients or the 99212 for an established patient, which is called the straightforward MDM. So this is a visit for a simple problem such as a viral upper respiratory infection or a simple recheck of a stable problem where you're not prescribing anything new. So this could be a visit where your total time is between 10 and 19 minutes. That is for an established patient. And you're typically, again, not prescribing a new medication or adjusting an existing prescription. And you're likely also not ordering any laboratory test. So you'll see under the number and complexity of problems addressed, it states minimal, one self-limited or minor problem. The data reviewed is minimal to none, and the risk of complications is listed as minimal risk of morbidity from additional diagnostic testing or treatment. So again, low risk. Now, the level three office visit is classified as a low MDM category. This could be a visit in which a patient comes in with a problem and you prescribe a medication, or it could be a visit in which your total time is 20 to 29 minutes. You will note that the patient problems are either two or more self-limited or minor problems, or one stable chronic illness, or one acute uncomplicated illness or injury. Now the data reviewed gets a little bit more complicated and you must meet the requirements of at least one of the two components. You'll notice that there are category one and category two types of data. So category one is the tests and documents, which include any combination of the two of the following. So you can be reviewing external notes, review of the result of each unique test or ordering another unique test. Or the category two type of data is the assessment requiring independent historians. Now, the risk of complications for a level three exam are low risk of morbidity from any additional diagnostic testing or treatment. 
Now remember, to qualify as a problem addressed for either the level two or level three exams, the provider must actually evaluate and treat that problem. You can't just list past historical problems as things addressed if you're not actually addressing them and documenting that you've addressed it. If the provider considers further testing or treatment, but the patient decides against it, that is actually still counted as addressed. Meaning if you go over a problem that you've identified in a treatment plan, but the patient decides, ah, I don't wanna deal with that today, you can still qualify that. It's those problems that you actually just read about and don't ever address with the patient that you can't count. All right, let's go to the next slide. I want to briefly go over the 99211 since this code has slightly changed since prior to 2021. And again, this is a level one established EM code and is still available. The 2021 code descriptor has changed slightly. As you can see on the right-hand side, with the crossed out language showing the previous version from prior to 2021. When a CPT 99211 is billed, that actually can be performed by an ancillary staff member and then billed as if the doctor had then given that service. The documentation, of course, must contain and identify the credentials of the attending physician and of the staff who provide the service. The note should indicate the degree of involvement of the physician and document document the connection between the services of the two providers. All CPT codes 99211 must include an evaluation and management service that was given and required, even if it's by the ancillary staff. Now, it's important to recognize when you shouldn't use the 99211. You shouldn't be using this when you're making phone calls to patients or you're writing prescriptions when no other visit was done or that you're doing a blood pressure check and no other evaluation and management was done, or you're drawing any laboratory testing. This has to be a face-to-face -face service, again, provide typically by the ancillary staff. It's important to also know that you can't use the CPT for face-to-face -face counseling that is provided without a medical need, such as counseling. The next few slides, I'm gonna go over some of the definitions that are used in the MDM elements. We'll talk about the problems addressed and how to define whether something is self-limited or minor or acute, chronic, et cetera. So the first slide shows the self-limited or minor problem and it is typically definitive and prescribed course. It's typically transient in nature and is not likely to be something that permanently alters their health status. So think of things like a cold or an insight bite. The next slide defines the stable or chronic illness. So this is typically something that you expect to have around for at least a year or more. And stable is defined by the specific treatment goals for the individual patient. So a patient that is not at their treatment goal is not stable even if the condition has not changed. So some of these include well-controlled hypertension, non-insulin diabetes, a cataract, benign prostatic hyperplasia. Things that would be not stable are things like asymptomatic but consistently high blood pressure with a treatment goal that you're trying to get to, but we're not just quite there yet. The next slide shows the level four exam in detail. This is the moderate MDM level. 
This is the CPT code 99204 for new patients and 99214 for established patients. You'll see the next three columns, which then outline, again, those elements of medical decision-making. I know I sound like a, a broken record, but it's, again, the problems addressed, the data reviewed, the risk of the patient. Remember, you need two of the three columns complete in order to qualify to be in that level of visit. So a level four visit could be a visit in which you address a patient's moderately complex problems, you prescribe a medication or order, and you're also interpreting some sort of data, test, radiology, or procedure. Or it could also be a a visit where you've spent your total time with a patient of 30 to 39 minutes, which we can refer back a few slides to time or total time that is spent with the patient. So I'm not going to go into detail of each of these. You can um, look at this in further detail. But again, it kind of outlines, all right, what does moderate stand for? So from a problems addressed perspective, that can be one or more chronic illnesses with exacerbation or progression, or two or more stable chronic illnesses, or one undiagnosed new problem, or one acute illness with systemic symptoms, or one acute complicated injury. The data reviewed is shown here. So again, say you qualified for two or more stable chronic illnesses, and you reviewed the amount of data that you should to qualify, then that is two of the three columns, so you count as a level four exam, without needing the risk of a patient to come into play. The risk of the patient is explained on the right-hand side, which shows some examples of risk to mortality based on the diagnostic testing or treatment that the patient would need to receive to address their problems. The next few slides will go into a few more definitions. And again, all of these definitions tie back to the problem list in order to qualify for the CPT code. So the definition on the screen is the acute uncomplicated illness or injury. This is something like a recent or new short-term problem with a low risk of morbidity for which treatment is considered. Now, there's little or minimal risk to mortality with treatment, and typically you're expecting full recovery without any functional impairment long-term. The problem is also something that's normally self-limited or minor, but is not resolving consistent with a definitive and prescribed course. So things like cystitis, allergic rhinitis, or even a simple sprain is included in this. The next slide shows the definition of chronic illness with exacerbation, progression, or side effects of treatment. Now, this is something that is acutely worsening, poorly controlled, or progressing with an intent to control the progression and requires additional supportive care or requires treatment for side effects. Though this does not typically require hospital level of care. And you'll note that even just having one of these, so again, the chronic illness with exacerbation, progression, or side effects of treatment counts as the number and complexity of problems addressed for a level four exam. So that's why it's important to understand these definitions because it contributes to how you bill. The next slide defines the undiagnosed new problem with an uncertain prognosis. So this is a problem in the differential diagnosis that represents a condition that is likely to result in a high risk of morbidity without treatment. So this is something like a lump in the breast. This problem would also qualify 
as a reason for a level four exam or higher. The last definition is the acute illness with systemic symptoms. So this is an illness that causes systemic symptoms and has a high risk of morbidity without treatment. So some examples of what would qualify are like things like pyelonephritis, colitis, acute myocardial infarction, pulmonary embolism. So again, you see that the severity is much higher and the likelihood of getting systemic symptoms that are severe are much higher. The next slide outlines the level five exam criteria. So again, you'll note the three elements of the MDM, problems addressed, data reviewed, and risk of complications in the chart attached. This could be a visit in which you see a very acutely sick patient who requires admission to the hospital, assuming that you're not actually the one admitting the patient, because obviously if you do that, you're only billing for the admission itself. Another example is caring for a sick patient with a high complexity of problems for which you're ordering, say, an x-ray or an EQ. KG, plus you're ordering three tap lab tests or more, or this could be a visit in which your total time is 40 to 54 minutes. As with the other slides, you'll notice that the data reviewed is outlined, which really requires outlining at least a combination of three or more tests, documents, or independent histories. And typically, there's a high risk of morbidity as you're trying to diagnose or treat this patient. Now, the AMA tool is really good, and I think it's important to have somewhere in your office, but it's not always the quickest to look at when you're trying to learn coding in the in the very beginning, right? I think as most of our physicians who are practicing and get the hang of this kind of get the gestalt of what's a level three, level four, level five exam. Oftentimes, though, we see even experienced physicians undercoding because they're afraid that they don't qualify for the level four, level five exam. And another reason why I always stress that for our clients, we actually will compare multiple physicians within the office and actually look and see, okay, if the physicians for the most part are seeing the same type of patients, then is the percentage of level four exams equivalent or close to the same between the two providers? If not, is is one of the providers undercoding or is the other overcoding? So on this next slide, I'm going to talk a little bit about a coding tool. Now, the coding tool, um, this was actually uh, something I found and is an, uh, what's called the Tornado template. It's a simplified, concise template that can be used to look at either the total time spent with a patient, depending if it's new or established, and then in very high level talks about the medical decision-making criteria to apply for a certain uh, level of code. So again, we're using one or the other, right? Total time or medical decision-making. And I would highly suggest taking a look at this one. I'm happy to send it to you by link. Again, email I mentioned earlier, info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. But these are just simple things that you can put in your office to help either your new physicians, new providers, or individuals that need a refresher on coding. It's important to make sure that no matter what, you're paying close attention to those minimal qualifications in order to qualify for, say, a level four exam or higher. All right, so now I'm going to summarize the things that we've reviewed today. 99201, right? New patient level one exam has been removed. It's no longer active. Doesn't exist anymore as of 2021. The 99211 is still active and is a level one exam for an established patient typically done by an ancillary staff member. It 
is face-to-face and is something that helps manage or evaluate a quick problem. Now, the history and physical exam is important from a medical standpoint, still important to document, but it's not what is contributing to the level of code that you're billing. That's either going to be that medical decision-making, right, the three elements, or the total time used to visit that patient. Remember, the total time includes both face-to-face time as well as non-face-to-face time personally spent by that physician or provider on the same date of service. Of course, you can remember that you can pick either the MDM, MDM or the total time to help determine which code to pick or whichever can give you the highest level of code depending on one of those options. Now, the last slide talks about a few things that you can implement today into your practice so that you can continue to grow the revenue that you deserve. As always, and I'm gonna stress this the entire course, it's important for you to understand the coding guidelines. Even though we're physicians, we didn't learn a lot of this in medical school or residency, we are ultimately responsible for accurate coding. And as a practice owner, we're also the ones who want to be very aware of what we can and cannot do, not just from a regulatory perspective, but from a business perspective, because we want our businesses to grow. So if you're using the total time to qualify for, say, a level four or level five exam, it's really critical that you do appropriate documentation in the EMR and even potentially outline the time you spent before, during, or after the patient visit for further evidence that it qualifies for that level of an exam. I would also recommend that you're doing regular audits of your billing and coding. There are actually requirements around this for your practice, and so really critical that someone in the office is doing this. If you need help with auditing plans, I'm going to do another course on that sometime here in the next few weeks, because I think that compliance and auditing are often things that we think, oh yeah, we know, we know, we know, we've got this, but in reality, we're not checking all of the boxes. Another key point is making sure that you're tracking data among your providers and along with your entire claim process to see how things are going. You should be meeting with your biller weekly, monthly at a minimum, and going over the data of the claims review, the claims that you have submitted. I cannot stress this enough. I think every single one of the clients that we've had who've been in trouble and who've lost a ton of revenue have been with billers who are either working in a different system or don't have data transparency around what they're billing and how it's doing. There are many different things that you can learn by reviewing your data and understanding, gosh, okay, that's going well, or this isn't going well, I need to tweak this process. And working with the right team who understands the practice workflow can help you see the data, learn from the data, and implement new practices to improve. So if you're not working with a biller today that does that, I highly recommend asking your biller to do that moving forward or identify a new biller to work with. Last, I just want to say it's not necessary to be subjective when it comes to your coding. There are objective guidelines that you can use to help make sure that you're coding appropriately. And again, most of the time we're seeing physicians who are under coding to be safe. And if you're looking at the objective guidelines, you can help make sure that you're coding to the level that you deserve and should get paid for. As always, partner with the right billing and coding team, as I've outlined many, many times. Certainly that's going to help make your practice thrive. So the next several slides I'm not going to speak to, but they're there for your review. So the appendix will go through the 99211 example 
through a level two, level three, level four, and level five visits with examples from the AMA. Hopefully you've enjoyed this course and until next time, thanks for joining today. We are starting a movement. If healthcare professionals understand the complexities of medical billing and insurance reimbursement, we can be advocates for our patients and grow our own revenue. If you like this podcast, share it on Facebook and invite others to the Facebook group RevMD. 